Hey, you're listening to Not Having It All, a film and TV podcast with some lifestyle thrown in for good measure. I'm your host, Karis Rianne, and this week I'll be joined by my regular partner in crime, Neha Faraz. Along with telling you all about the current top picks in the cinema, we'll be covering upcoming releases like The Hunt and Swallow. We'll be talking about the Bond delay and the latest facts on why Danny Boyle walked away from the project. Plus, we have our topic of the week, which is pageant shows within film and TV. So stick on the headphones, increase that volume and get ready to add more onto that ever-growing watch list of yours. Hey. How are you? Oh, jinx. <laughs> <laughs> how are you? Say jinx? Oh, we did it again. <laughs> we did. <laughs> Hello, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good, yeah. Good week so far. Living. How We're are you? Good. All good here, just a bit tired, but you know, that's that's just that's just mm, how it is. Long day. How it is. Uh, yeah, long day. But like, I feel like with the world at the moment, you never know what, what your work day is going to be like, because mm. everyone's stressing so much about coronavirus. Yeah, I know. I had someone ask like, so me today many, about like, if, we, if we were on like mandatory isolation. I was like, no. Oh, yeah. I, s- I feel... <laughs> I feel like I'm not gonna. Add, I feel like I shouldn't say this because we're, it's obviously a public domain yeah. podcast. But um, I do feel like it's a little bit exaggerated. Mm. Mm? I don't know. I mean, I, I think I'm lucky enough to not be. Well, no, that's not true. But like, I know that people who are you know like immunocompromised and older people who are in trouble, like I can understand their anxiety. But I don't feel that for myself. Um, yeah which is yeah which is what's tricky but I hope it goes away soon I don't like it I don't want it here no and a lot of events keep getting cancelled yeah. I mean, we need to talk about South by Southwest which got cancelled which is which is tragic really for the festival and the filmmakers and the musicians and um, especially those that had booked and booked travel and accommodation it's a lot of money that is unfortunately usually a lot of the time non-refundable yeah um but even at work, we had some people that were coming to events that had booked flights with Flybee. Mm. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on, a lot going on in the world. Um, but luckily, we can still do this podcast Yay. because we are self-isolated. <laughs> beauty, the beauty of Skype. Yeah. Um, yeah, the beauty of Skype. Um, guess what I watched this week? What did you watch? Well, I think you know already because I sent you a Snapchat. What? I sent you a Snapchat of what I was watching, you remember? No! Aladdin. Oh! Oh, that's why I don't remember, because I blocked it out of my mind. So it was like a... I think it was Sunday afternoon, and I think we were waiting to leave to go somewhere, and I put it on Sky Cinema, and I just thought, okay, I'm just going to mm-hmm. go for it, just going to have a little try of it. And um, it's just... There's parts of it that I was like, okay, yeah, this is very Aladdin-ish and things like that, because a lot of the dialogue is very similar. Mm. Um but the songs and the music, it was just like Will Smith is just not my genie, and it's just and he's got like a a romance love interest oh. in it as well. Who is Winston's wife from New Girl? Oh, yeah, I didn't get the whole vibe of the genie being a, you know, he's very much to me that's an asexual being. Yeah, you know, um, so the, yeah, that was strange and just Jafar was not scary. I heard he's really all. attractive. I didn't find him attractive per se, but I just did not find him scary either. Mm. Jafar in the original Aladdin, he's like terrifying oh, yeah. to me. Yeah. Kara's coming, hold on. Hey Kara. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Right, come on. Ooh. 
Hello. She's so cute. <laughs> she gives like a proper welcome. She well, really does. She would knock she really me out. Does. Like she <laughs> would, I would be on my back. She probably would. <laughs> like I think I'm like six inches taller than you, and she'd probably knock you over. Yeah, fully. <laughs> um, so yeah, the the songs in the new Aladdin. It's just like the it's not the same kind of atmosphere. And I don't know. I'm glad I didn't see it in the cinema. That's mm. what I'll say. Do I need to watch it at all? That's what. I don't know. I think out of like sheer curiosity mm. but like all it did was make me want to watch the original of that game. oh okay because like i was singing along to the music and i was just like no no he's gone high when you meant to go low and like he speed that bit up and it shouldn't be sped up that way and things like that and yeah i can see that obviously he wanted to make the character his own i'm talking about will smith here yeah but yeah it just um it just it just was not my vibe did not work for me um but let's talk let's talk about the top ten. Um so we've got Emma at number ten. We've got Event Cinema at number nine. We've got Doolittle at number eight. I feel like nobody's spoken about Doolittle. No. It's really just came and gone. Yeah. No one I know has seen it, but it's not really leaving the top ten either. No, I don't think anyone I know has seen it mm. either, actually, thinking about it. Yeah, a weird one. Bizarre. And number seven, it's Blumhouse's Fantasy Island. So this is the one we briefly spoke about last week. Uh, it's like the horror thriller version. Um, a couple of friends of mine went to see this and so they didn't really know what to think of it. Hmm. Which, um, But it's debuted at number seven, so I think that might be out of the top ten by next week. <laughs> but I am still curious. At number six, it's Dark Waters. This is the Mark Ruffalo film. Oh, I want to um, see it. Other people are in it, but we're here for Mark Ruffalo. I'm not sure who else is in it. I'm sure other people are in it, but I have no idea who else is in um, it. Is Anne Hathaway in it? Is it? Anne Hathaway's in a movie She's... and I didn't know. I think she might be in it, you know. Huge. But she, um... She's fine, there was nothing in there. Um... Again, a few friends have seen this film, said it was really good, so I do want to watch it. I do want to watch it. And number five, still in the top ten, it's Parasite. I really hope this does like a Parasite. Casino Royale is in the top ten for like ages. I really it's hope currently, so. isn't it currently the, the highest grossing foreign film in the UK ever? That's, that's amazing. I know. That's so great. That needs to happen on a more regular basis. Yeah, for sure. And number four, it's Sonic the Hedgehog. And number three, it's Military Wives. I'm really huh, happy about that's this. That's cool. I it's, yeah, I think it's really great to have a, a UK film... Obviously, a big female cast up there, quite high up. So, really happy about that one, actually. Um, number two, it's The Invisible Man. And number one, it's Onward, which is the Disney film we touched upon last week. Oh, cool. Week. Um, yeah, it's made a killing in the first week. So, good good for that. Mm. Um, when do you think you're next be going to the cinema? Oh, I don't know. I'd out? like to watch... Um, there's some. What is that Kelly Gang movie with... Uh, what's his name? George McKay, George Mackay. George, I nearly said Paul Bluth then, like combining Paul Rudd and Charlie Bluth. When Why did I say that? I not think of George... Oh! No, I said <laughs> thought that. Jeez. No, I really want to watch True History of the Kelly Gang and I need to watch Portrait of a Lady on Fire, so I'm hoping that I can watch both of them this weekend. Fingers crossed. Good shout. I think mine's going to be The Quiet Place, which is next week. Oh, Yeah. Gosh, that came around mm. fast. Mm, it did. Um, so let's, let's talk about new releases, because there's quite a lot coming out. Um, probably one of the most anticipated ones is The Hunt, 
which is um, finally getting a new release date. It was originally meant to come out in September last year, if you remember, um, but then it got uh, postponed due to obviously violence going on in America. Oh, that one, um, yeah. Yes, it stars our favourite glow gal, Betty Gilpin. Betty! Betty! Uh, a great little cast, so you've got Hilary Swank, uh, Ike Barinholtz, uh, who obviously you probably remember from things like The Mindy Project and Blockers. Emma Roberts also makes a brief appearance in this too, um, as well as Glenn Howerton from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So a cool little cast there, it's directed by Craig Zobel. Um, Twelve strangers wake up in a clearing. They don't know where they are or how they got there. They don't know they've been chosen for a very specific purpose. The hunt. Mm-hmm. See, I mean, I wouldn't usually be like, oh yeah, really excited to see that, but I know that Damon Lindelof is one of the writers, so I'm definitely going to watch it. It looks interesting, and I think it looks um, it looks a little bit Black Mirror-y. Yeah. Black Mirror episode, yeah. I'm getting those kind of vibes from this one, which is um, quite cool. But no, I'm looking forward to seeing this. I'm glad it's got a release date. I do think sometimes, I mean, we spoke about this when we had the Scream podcast, outside violence affecting media, mm. um, not representations of violence, it's fictional accounts of violence, um, it's yeah, it's difficult sometimes, isn't it? It's difficult to kind of say, yeah, let's all go watch this film and celebrate this work and these, you know, not just the actors and director, but all the crew members and post crew members that kind of worked on this film. Yeah. And then you know, not having that because it's difficult. It's like when a film comes out and there's a person involved that has become problematic or cancelled, and people want to cancel the film. I do feel sometimes for everyone else involved in the production of that film because it's not their fault. Mm. Yeah, I see that. We've also got My Spy. Now, this looks like... It, it basically looks like that Dwayne Johnson film that came out about 20 years ago with, um, with the little girl. Oh, like The Tooth Fairy. I'm going to find it. The Tooth yes, Fairy. Yes, I thought it the same exactly thing when I saw the poster for this movie. Like yeah. The Tooth Fairy. Um, so it actually stars this time around Dave Bautista and Chloe Coleman. Um, a hardened CIA operative finds himself at the mercy of a precocious nine-year-old girl having been sent undercover to surveil her family. So, yeah, it's given me kind of like... Do you remember that Vin Diesel film as well, The Pacifier? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah this is definitely a g- genre of movies, like... It is. Big, strong man with no hair yeah. protects small children. Small, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. It's not been given great reviews, but I think that's probably the target audience not really lobbying onto IMDb and Rocket Rodded Tomatoes, really. Um, hmm. it it's cool to see Chloe Coleman in something else because she was um, she's in Big Little Lies, isn't she? She's one of the children. Is she um, Zoe Kravitz's daughter? Bon- yeah, well, yeah, that's Bonnie's, it. Daughter. Bonnie's daughter. Yeah, that's cool. I like seeing the Big Little Lies kids doing stuff. Mm. It's nice. Um, we've also got Calm with Horses, which is out this week. Um, this is directed by Nick Rowland, um, and it stars Barry Keyhole, who everyone loves. Mm. I haven't seen him in anything for a while, actually. He used to be everywhere at one point. He used to be a what? He used to be everywhere at one point. Oh, everywhere. I thought you said... <laughs> yeah. Would you remember when he was in Chernobyl for, like, two episodes? Yeah. He's also the guy that I think looks like Joel Edgerton a little bit. He would play his son so well. Oh, yeah, for sure. And Joel, Joel Edgerton's, like, style of movies, that would really suit Barry Keogh. Yeah, I think so. Make it happen. Yeah. yeah. Put in the vibes out there. 
Uh, Douglas uh, Arm Armstrong has become the feared enforcer of the drug dealing Divas family. While also trying to be a good father, torn between these two families, Arm's loyalties are tested when he's asked to kill for the first time. Um, yeah, it looks interesting. It looks very dark. I mean, it's set in like Dark Island. Um, it looks very gritty, your typical British drama. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd quite like to see this actually. So I know it's playing in a few local independent cinemas, so it's probably not going to get a very wide release. So you're probably going to have to hunt this one down if you are looking to see it. Um, but yeah, it, it, it looks quite good. I do like um, a um, an Irish film. We've got Baccaroo. I hope I'm saying this correctly. Who? Bakaru. Bakaru. Bakaru? I don't even know I don't even know what film that is. Bakaru. It is a French film. Ah. Now this won well it actually tied. It won the jury prize at Cannes Film Festival and I was nominated for a ton of awards, to be quite honest. Um but yeah, so it's um it's a French film. Um after the death of her grandmother, Teresa comes home to her matriarchal village in the near future Brazil to find a succession of sinister events that mobilises all of its residents. That gives me the impression that it's not a French film. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, what is, that's interesting. Hmm, I love... Oh no, it does say it's Brazil, it's a Brazil-French production, Brazilian-French production, so that's that's why. It's been given great reviews though, and obviously winning the jury prize yeah. at Cannes is a fantastic achievement. So yeah, so look out for that one. Um, out this week, and obviously what our podcast episode this week is going to be focusing on, is Misbehaviour. This is our female director pick of the week as well. Um, it's by Philippa Lowthorpe. If you watch the amazing series on BBC and Netflix called Three Girls, did you watch this? I've not seen Three Girls. It's brilliant and it's harrowing. Like, ah, I still okay. think about this... I still think about this series to to this day. Like I was driving past um, something earlier, and I was like, "Oh God, that really reminds me of Three Girls." Um, it's a fantastic little. I'm just going to do a quick little session on this because it's an incredible series about a group of young teenagers who ended up being part of a paedophile um, molestation ring um, that was led predominantly by Indian and Pakistani men. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember seeing this in the press. No, I don't remember seeing anything about it. Huge, but it. Basically, um, they it become like a ring. So they looked into where the, everyone was based and things like that. And it took a very, 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 very long time. I think it was like a 10-year process mm-hmm. for them to actually find justice for these young women. Because mm-hmm. um, obviously they weren't believed. And it's a very harrowing series, but I definitely watch it. Maxine Peake's in it. Um, oh, it's cool. It's a great watch. But Philippa Lofort directed that. Um, she also did some call the midwife as well but misbehavior so it is about a group of women who hatch a plan to disrupt the 1970 miss world beauty competition in london i don't know anything about the true story behind this do you nope i just know that um that was the first year i think that they saw their first black competitor win miss world so that's all i know which is huge i I mean that's a huge thing huge it is it is well i mean it's a it's a comedy drama film and it, the cast is brilliant we've got kira knightley not in a period drama <laughs> she's actually because it's set in the 70s isn't it yeah yeah um gugu oh, i'm gonna pronounce that wrong i'm so sorry gugu bethoror i think so i think you say the m but i'm not sure gugu bethoror mm-hmm 
So, Keira Knightley, Guga Betharaw, Jessie Buckley, who is just on fire. She is. Just on fire. She gives me Florence... She gives me, like, Florence Pooh. Pooh. <laughs> Pooh. <laughs> she gives me Florence Pooh energy. Oh How do you God. say that? Because I say Florence Poe, but I'm... then I know some people say Florence Pug. I say Pug. And some people say Pug. I say Pew. Do you? Yeah, Florence Pew. Like Pew. Hugh. Like Hugh. Hugh Grant. Oh, I said Poe. I mean, it's definitely not Poo. Sorry, Florence. I've got to look this up now. <laughs> I think it's Pew. Pew. It's Florence Pew. You're right. I apologise for calling you Poe. Um, and it also stars Keely Hawes, who we know and love for On the Bodyguard, Phyllis Logan, Leslie Manfield, Reese Evans, and Greg Kinnear. Um, it's a great little cast. It's a really great cast. Great little cast. Um what was I going to say? Obviously, it's all filmed in London, and um, it is about the crowning of the first black competitor. Mm. Um, I'm really excited to see this. I uh, We're going to talk about pageants in general, but I really think this looks like an exciting, you know, female power film, and it just looks, I don't know, it just looks interesting and exciting, like, you know, because it is a little bit of a... A little bit of a, uh, I don't know, like a bit of a force majeure almost because you kind of like it celebrates women, but it's celebrating women's yeah. appearance, not so much their strengths. I, I don't know. Yeah, I really it like that we have, um, from what I can, I've obviously not seen it, but the fact that we have like a woman director making a film about pageantry, which is generally female dominated, but she's kind of, it looks like she's subverting it or she's telling a story about it being subverted, which I think is really interesting. Hugely. So looking forward to that. We've also got coming out, uh, which is mid next week, it's Swallow. Now, this does not star Jennifer Lawrence. It stars Hayley Bennett. Um, They look painfully alike in the posters. Have you seen the posters? I've seen everyone on Twitter talking about how Hayley Bennett looks like Jennifer Lawrence, but I've not seen anything about the film itself. It is. Like, she's always kind of looked like her. Like, I remember when she was in Girl on the Train, a few people thought it was Jennifer Lawrence. But in this particular film, I don't know whether it's the wig she's wearing, mm-hmm. but she really, really does look like her. Um, it's quite creepy. Oh, yeah, I've just looked uh, it up. Yes. Oh, she really does. Yeah. That's freaky. It, yeah, it's it's quite bizarre. Mm. Mm. Um, so, yes, Swallow. Hunter, played by Hayley Bennett, not Jennifer Lawrence, a newly pregnant housewife finds herself increasingly compelled to, to consume dangerous objects. Huh. As her husband and his family tighten their control over her life, she must confront the dark secret behind her new obsession. Interesting. It's an interesting storyline, isn't it? Like, I wasn't yeah. not expecting it to go with keeps swallowing no. things. <laughs> Um, it's huh. a drama horror thriller, so there's obviously going to be some uh, connotations in there that are quite scary. Dennis O'Hare is in it, which he always scares the shit out of me in everything he is. Yeah. True Blood, American Horror Story. Ugh. But yeah, it looks it looks intriguing. Yeah. That's intriguing. I also just fell down the Hayley Bennett um, Wikipedia rabbit hole while you were while you were talking. I think she looks more okay. I think she looks more like Bryce Dallas Howard than she does Jennifer okay. Lawrence. And as I it's funny because as I scroll down, she's going to star in Ron Howard's next Netflix film. So, you know, mm. Howard's. I'm glad she's... Because I remember she was in a film with Chase Crawford about, God, 15 years ago when he was at the height of his Gossip Girl fame. And um, I thought she was going to be like the next big thing, but she didn't really... I don't know what happened. She didn't really go anywhere. Mm. Um, but yeah, so it's cool that she's doing 
more bits and pieces now. So that is what's coming out next week. Um, quite a bit to come out, really. All sorts going yeah, on. Yeah, I'm excited. Excited. So let's talk about our topic, which is pageant movies. Now, for you and I, obviously growing up in the UK, like the only really time we'd see these pageant things is through television and film because it's not a big thing over here as it is in America, is it? Yeah, no, it isn't. And even sort of as I watch reality, because there's a TLC show about kids in uh, that kind of like midwest southern pageant america environment and it's still so alien to me but i'm so fascinated by it yeah it is it for me like i view it like you said as just like an interesting yeah concept because i for me it's very alien like it freaks me out oh yeah the idea of it freaks me out yeah um and it's it's very interesting so yeah obviously a beauty pageant or beauty contest is a competition that is traditionally focused on traditionally focused on how beautiful people are and there's always bits and pieces like where they show their personality that's usually through asking them questions and they always have a talent and the talents are quite bizarre aren't they they can be anything from dancing to singing to doing some strange bizarre yeah um bizarre thing but yeah it's very um it's a very status thing as well. I find that obviously the child beauty pageants um, focus a lot on building people up to then become teen pageants, to then become adult pageants. And then after that, there's usually like this gap and then they become like pageant judges or pageant mentors. It's a strange little circle, mm. isn't it? A little bit like when we talk about cheer- cheerleaders. Yeah, yeah, it is. it is. There is a life cycle pageants man and the big pageants obviously um what i find weird is how many pageants there are so you've got you've obviously got miss world but then you have miss universe Mm -hmm. and then you have miss international and then you have miss earth miss earth miss earth i didn't know that was a thing what's the difference between miss world and miss earth i don't know Huh, that's interesting. <laughs> but, I mean, Miss World was the first one. Uh, well, the first one was actually Miss America uh, in 1921. And uh, Miss World was 1951. Then Miss Universe followed in 1952, followed by Miss International in 1960. And then Miss Earth was 2001. Miss Earth. Obviously, they just needed more events to throw money Yeah, out, I think so. Honest. Even though it's um, a really Miss- lucrative industry. Do you think so? Yeah, I mean, I don't remember. So if anyone's interested in finding out more, there is a John Oliver episode that came out, I want to say a couple of years ago, and it was all about kind of deconstructing the Miss America pageant and kind of the fact that in America, at least, that the worst part they claimed on the show was that it's the world's largest provider of scholarships for women. So it, which is, yeah, a little bit weird. So, because to compete in each pageant, a woman has to certify that she's also never been married and that she's never been pregnant. Like, it's a very archaic... What? Yeah. Like, it's a really interesting episode. I I didn't... There was a lot that I didn't know about um, pageants in general until I watched it. And I was like, you, what? You can't be... Yeah. It's it's a whole new world. Well, there was a, there was an incident in the UK, wasn't there? Like a, a woman went on the reality TV show Love Island, and then she got her sash like taken away from her. I don't know if she was Miss England or Did she? something like that. Yeah, I can't remember whether it was a Miss England or whether she was like a county because you can be a county here, but like in America, you can be like Miss Texas or Miss Colorado. Like I think you can be like Miss Essex and Miss Manchester, like over here. Yeah. Um. Interesting. Yeah. She was Miss England, yes. 
Miss Great Britain, sorry. Ooh. Yeah, and she got it taken away from her um, because she had sex on television. Huh. No, just that I guess it's quite interesting that with sometimes, especially I feel like with children's pa- pageants where those kids can be a little hypersexualized, that idea that actually you, that there's this sort of your symbols of purity and the kind of like all-American type that Betty Gilpin plays in Glow, you know, like that kind of very... Yeah. So that I think that's an interesting distinction um i think so too Mm. i think there's more i've got some more clarification on the different misses so miss earth is an environmentally friendly beauty pageant competition promoting environmental awareness and responsibility Uh, miss world was set up in london and miss universe was set up in america so obviously they just needed to have their own thing um but that's a little bit more clarity there but we're here to talk about films and we're going to talk about some of our favorite films featuring beauty pageants now do you want to start us off with one that you love my favorite 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 pageant film is little miss sunshine oh it's so good and it's a different kind of pageant film isn't it yeah so i think because i feel like that film came out in 2005 2006 so i was still too young to kind of appreciate what it was really about but as i grew up i really appreciated that you had first that you know that the protagonist of this film olive is so unconventional and isn't what you would necessarily expect from um the pageant industry but she's just so confident and i think in in so many ways represents the kind of every girl who yeah she suffers from imposter syndrome but she you know she knows she's capable of doing it and she's going to try anyway and she's just going to have the best time um i think it does a really good job at kind of subverting well, actually, not even subverting. I think it reinforces the fact that in America, like, a lot of the families that take part in these pageants aren't always sort of well-off to be able to do so easily. Like, you know, there's a lot of money that goes into um, costumes and travelling from kind of state to state. And I think the film does a really good job at, you know, showing us again that kind of, like, every man, like, we're struggling, but our kid wants to do it and we're going to drive to California and, like, 800 miles or whatever it was to, you know, have her take part. I just think it's really cute and I I love the way that in this film particularly the sort of pageant itself because I think you could argue that the film isn't actually about pageants at all it's very much like a road movie about a family who kind of learn how to you know work together and that kind of thing it's like a side storyline yeah but so I like that the pageant is like that the kind of vehicle of for that um I love it man I could talk about Little Miss Sunshine forever so obviously Steve Carell was in that movie. Yeah, it's Frank, um, who has a suicide attempt because his um, relationship has ended. But do you know who that role was originally written for? No, Bill Murray. Interesting. I could you imagine that? Yes, but I'm happy with it being Steve Carell because I thought Steve. I think Steve's amazing in that movie. The studio also pressured them to cast Robin Williams as as Frank. Was is, is his name Frank? I as Frank. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. I could, I could definitely see that. Oh, for but sure. I think, I think, yeah, I think it's because Steve Carell at the time was relatively unknown. Obviously, The Office hadn't really kicked off, yeah. and I think he'd only really been in things like Evan Almighty and Anchorman. Um, but I think he was great in that film, and I think, like you said, even though the pageant side is a side um, section of that, it's um, it's just it's just a well round incredible film. Mm. The pageant side of it, I think, is great because it does kind of open up the pressures 
like when she's sitting in the mirror, sorry, standing in the mirror and she's breathing her stomach in and out, yeah. we kind of get a glimpse there of like the pressures for young women and the kind of ugly side of these pageants that when it, I mean, obviously, like I said, in the UK, we don't really see it thrown in our face a lot, but I know in America, it's a lot more prominent. Mm. I'm sure Courtney can fill us in on this. Um, but no, I definitely, I like the rebellious attitude of the pageants when family all gets on stage i think it's brilliant i think we need to see have more of an attitude towards that i think that's um that's a great part of it um one of my favorite pageant films Mm -hmm. one of my favorite films of all time is of course miss congeniality which was the probably the first film i saw about pageants i'd say yeah like the first thing I knew about it, I remember after watching Miss Congeniality, I was like, I really want to watch Miss World. And I think I got all my Barbie dolls and did like a Miss World competition. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That's cute. <laughs> I totally did that. I loved it. I just love the idea. But for me, I loved seeing different beautiful women from different countries mm. and different, you know, different backgrounds and things like that. Because obviously growing up in that kind of media around that time, diversity was even lower than it is now. And you didn't see different women like that. And so when you watch things like Miss World, I was like, wow, you know, there's Miss India and there's Miss Philippines and there's, you know, Miss Japan and Miss Jamaica and things like that. It's It was cool to kind of see those different countries. Like, wow, there's so many countries and things like that. Um, but obviously, Miss Congeniality takes place solely in America. The thing I love about this film is that it's just so badass. You've got a friggin' fbi agent who has to go undercover but she doesn't it's not a case of like an ugly duckling to a beautiful swan situation like she's always been beautiful but it's just her attitude and i think it's her camaraderie with women as well like at the start of the film she's very tomboyish and she's very like one of the guys and you know she's a little bit slobby and things like that but then she kind of opens up to actual female friendship and like you know feminism in general probably and like you're not judging women on what they are and who they aspire to be and what they aspire to do and I think even in today's society like we have a little bit of that now like I mean I've got friends that are beauticians and you know 10 years ago I would have probably been like oh yeah you're a beautician but now it's like oh that's just who she is Mm. and what she does and you look at that out of perspective of it I suppose um but other than that, the film's just really fun. And it's just a nice little glimpse into how ridiculous the beauty pageant industry really is, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I think what's really interesting about the two films that we've spoken about today is that there's some... You know how, like... Even with the, if, even in the way that they kind of dress Mia up in Princess Diaries is that sort of it takes a village to, you know, I guess in in this case, like, make a woman... I don't know if it's, like, look her best, but there's this this sort of like it's not just a one person um like a one person thing which I think is really obvious with uh, Miss Congeniality as far as kind of the way that she starts to look and with Little Miss Sunshine it's like Mm. it takes a village to you know like raise a kid so I think it's interesting how that like I always think of that phrase when um in reference to kind of pageants and and just beauty in general um I think it's really interesting I think it's it it pokes fun at it a lot. Like it when does, yeah. Like world peace and things like that. But like I said, it, it does open things up a little bit. And uh, I mean, it is a bit of a ridiculous film near the end. No, but it's so good. Like bombing and things <laughs> like that. Um, and the, the, the bomb being in the crown and things like that. But I think it's um, I think it's such a fun, yeah. fun film. My favourite scene in that. Obviously, mm-hmm. 
Go on. No, what's your favourite scene? Th- my favourite scene in that film is when she's like, you know, she's doing her talent bit, and then she sees, she thinks, she, she thinks she sees, or she does see a guy in the, in the audience with a gun, and she just like leaps into the audience. Oh, and she's got a ridiculous yes. like, um, glass harp skill, so and then they all drink her water. So good. <laughs> you're drinking my talent. You're drinking my talent. I love it. Um, plus Michael Caine in this film. Yeah. What a role. Yeah. It's so funny. Huge for him. He's brilliant. One of the best scenes, though, is... Um, and I also love Benjamin Bratt in this film, who plays her love interest, Eric, who disappears in the second film, just saying, um, is the whole song, You Want to Love yes. Me, You Want to Kiss Me. It's, it's an amazing So film. good. So that's definitely one of my favourite pageant films. Um, let's move on to something, a, a more recent film. It's Dumpling, which was mm. the Netflix film based on Dolly Parton music. You didn't get to see this, did you? I watched it in the end, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So what did you think about that? I liked it. It was cute. I really liked the female friendships. Again, I liked that it was like subverting, um, sort of subverting the beauty pageant. You had Luke Benwood, who's like so cute. Yeah, I loved it. I think this film, a little bit like Little Miss Sunshine, in some aspects, Miss Congeniality, when you kind of, not mock the pageant industry, but when you kind of take a light-hearted approach mm. to it, um, and have women in there that aren't necessarily the stereotypical pageant types, but have the same aspirations to be part of the pageant industry. Um, I think it's a really nice, well-rounded approach to it, don't you? When you've got the kind of contrast of a character like Dumpling, played by Danielle McDonald, yeah. who's amazing, by the way. Love Danielle McDonald. Um, and then you contrast them against, obviously, Jennifer Anderson's character, who is this, you know... Her, what's the word alumni mm. star of pageants and things like that yeah when you contrast them together it kind of like you say it com- comments on the camaraderie of women and the female friendship that you can have two women who are so different visually physically but have the same desire to achieve something or same passion to achieve something why should we judge them on how they look it's a little bit like with female directors isn't it yeah the whole like thing of like oh you don't look like a female director you're like well what the fuck should I look like (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I get that I think what I really like about Dumbling is that you've got so I really appreciated how like Jennifer Aniston's character I think with her character we got an insight again I think this is maybe because we grew up in the UK and it's just not something that exists here, but how kind of important that pageant legacy can be for somebody. Because obviously they're from a small town in the South and everyone still kind of knows her as this pageant queen, even though it's been years since, since she competed. And it's like, you know, she turns up to... I like to cheerleaders. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like this kind of like small town hero sort of situation. I think that's um, that was really interesting. I think Jennifer Lawrence, it was great to see her in a role like this as well. Like, it wasn't a big mainstream film. Yeah. It was, you know, a Netflix film that I think it premiered at Sundance or one of those festivals or things like that. Um, and it was just great to kind of have her do, like, a little bit of a... Just a heartwarming role. And to see Jennifer Aniston as a mother as well. We haven't seen her mm. as a mother in many films. I mean, she's a mother in that Adam Sandler film. Is it just go with it? Yeah. But in this film, it was great to see her as something that you can you could believe Jennifer Aniston playing that kind of character. Yeah. Um, if you know what I mean. Um, let's move on to Drop Dead Gorgeous, which came out a shocking 21 years ago. Oh, really? Yes, 21 years ago. Oh, interesting. Um, 
So this is uh, what I like about this film is that it's shot in a mockumentary format, yeah, which I think is always quite fun. And it's about the contestants in the beauty pageant called this is the full name, the Sarah Rose Cosmetics Mount Rose American Teen Princess Pageant. Yay! <laughs> um, one I think this film's fantastic anyway. But the, the biggest thing about this film is the cast. Mm. The cast makes this film. You've got Kirsten Dunst, Ellen Barkin, Brittany Murphy, Alison Janney, Denise Richards, Kirsty Alley, Amy Adams in her film debut. There's so much going on. Um, what elements about this film do you love? That it's funny. I love a black comedy. It's just funny. I really like how they um, utilise, like you said, the kind of mockumentary style to sort of take the piss but also give us an insight into being young and loving pageants and sort of wanting to take part in that whole world. Which I think, again, we've said it so many times already, is so fascinating to us because we did not grow up with that kind of an environment. No, yeah, for us it's kind of alien. Yeah. I think we've we've kind of like... Um, through these films we've managed to kind of break down the stereotype because otherwise we would think that you know everyone that was in these pageants is you know a blonde yeah. skinny tan girl who can play the what's it called twirling the twirling thing oh like rhythmic yeah rhythmic gymnastic type baton twirl there baton yeah. twirling there we go baton twirling there we that's go it. yeah I find them I think a lot of the reasons that I find pageants in America or at least from like what I'm aware of, quite interesting is the lack of diversity. I feel like if I grew up in that environment, I would be, I would almost feel very inadequate about the fact that I'm not tall and blonde. And you know what I mean? Like that sort of messaging, yeah. I feel like would probably mm-hmm. drive me insane. No, hugely. And I think that's, um, like I said, that's the kind of stereotype that you get from these films. And I think with Drop Dead Gorgeous, you've got a bit of a mixture of characters mm. there. Um, and also, I think wealth is something to do with it as well. A lot of these pageants are won by wealthy women as well. Yeah. So when you've got, like, the like Kirsten Dunst's character, which has got, like, a little bit of a trailer park s to her, it's interesting to see that kind of side of it. Like, why, why shouldn't they be able to strive and achieve for that kind of thing? I think sometimes when we talk about not diversity as such but i think sometimes we ignore wealth as well in regards to equal opportunities because i feel like there's a lot of opportunities out Mm -hmm. there for people that have a certain uh wealth bracket to them would you agree with that because like you know you have to a lot of women they have their women sorry a lot of girls that are in these pageants they have like that mum who can afford their hair products and the costumes and this and that I mean I remember when I was doing ballet and like my mum couldn't afford the fancy leotards that the other mums made like mm. that was just how it was um could you imagine yourself being in a beauty pageant no if I if I wasn't a be- I would be like Olive but with 50% less confidence <laughs> I'd probably be like her name's Amber I think in um Drop Dead Gorgeous isn't it I'd probably be like Amber yeah just super optimistic but would, not very good what would your um but what would your talent be oh it would have to be like indian dance or something i'd have to like I'm proper like lean imagine. in i'd have to wear a sari when it was like time for my walk i'd have to like lean into it love it I'm, i just love the idea of that it's funny because Alison janney actually said that she gets more recognized from people from Drop Dead Gorgeous than she does from like the West Wing. Oh, interesting. Which she was on for like 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but no, I, I love this film because I just think it's it's funny and it it mocks the whole industry. And um, 
yeah, it's it's a really feel good film, and it, I just I love Britney. I think Britney Murphy's got such a fantastic catalogue of films that she's in. Yeah, um, it's just it's just a treasure to have. It really is. So we're going to talk about some other pageant films that come up a lot when we we were asking people what pageant films they liked um, that I haven't watched myself. I'm not too sure if you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them that came up was Beautiful, which is from 2000. Uh, it's actually directed by Sally Field, which was her oh. feature film directorial debut. I didn't know that she was also a director. Did you? No, I hadn't watched this, but I know it's the one with Minnie Driver. It is, yeah. So yeah. it stars, uh, it stars Millie Driver. Um, it deals with the sacrifices that contestants in the Miss America pageant typically must take. Um, unfortunately, it was a critical and commercial failure, but it did appear a lot when people come back to us, okay. um, asking about um, pageant films. So yeah, it's one to watch. Another one that came up was Miss Firecracker, which is from 1989, starring Holly Hunter and Mary Steenberg uh, Bergen. Um, this was. This was about a pageant that happened in Mississippi every 4th of July, and it was, well, called the Miss Firecracker mm-hmm. Contest. Um, again, it wasn't a big success, but I think it's kind of got like a little bit of a cult status. Nice. I'll check it out. Another one that came up was Smile. This is from 1975. It stars Bruce Dern. Um, it was adapted into a Broadway musical. Um, it kind of satirizes like small town America and the kind of hypocrisies and the, you know, back alley tactics around the pageant industry. Mm. So it sounds like a little bit of a decent watch. Mm. Um, and last but not least, it's Pageant, which is a 2008 documentary film that um, premiered at Sundance. And it explores the behind the scenes of the 34th Miss Gay America contest. Oh, cool. Have you heard of this one? So this is for female impersonators. And it was made in 1972. This is the actual Miss Gay America, not the film. Um, and it's based on Miss America. And that sounds like a really interesting... Yeah. Um, documentary. Lady Gaga was actually crowned as the first honorary Miss Gay America oh, cool. in 2017. That sounds really interesting. But yeah, it did. It won a lot of awards, so it sounds pretty good. But yeah, I mean, I say we've obviously got misbehaviour coming out this week, which talks about pageant industry, and I think it will be interesting because, like we've said about not having a big pageant presence in the UK, yeah. it will be interesting to see that side of it in our home soil if that sounds really weird to say no yeah i hope that i really hope we've not spent a whole podcast talking about how it's not big here but we're the only two people who aren't aware of the fact that maybe it's a huge industry well i will say because i know three people in my life Mm -hmm. that have become pageant contestants yeah so uh my sister being one of them and it's a little bit different um from what i've kind of witnessed slash experienced Mm -hmm. i think a lot of what they have to do not what they have to do, what they choose to do, is they have to have a charitable background to them. So arranging charitable events, fundraisers, things like that, volunteering at places and things like that. That's what I've witnessed the people that I know go for these things do mm-hmm. um, in the UK. The But in regards to, like, I haven't really... Like I said, they've been contestants. They haven't necessarily been winners. Yeah. So, yeah. Hmm, it's interesting. Well, Priyanka Chopra and Aishwarya Rai and Sushmita Sen even were mm. all who are all like pretty big in the Bollywood world were all 
Miss Worlds and Miss Universes, and that's pretty much how they kind of kick-started their careers, which is cool. It is. I think it's interesting to see whether, you know, Miss World contestants do branch out into other things. Mm. Um, um, That'd be cool. I mean, obviously there was the big fuck-up a couple of years ago when the Miss World was not announced correctly. Yeah, and there was that... um, I can't remember her name. It was Nina something... Yeah, the um, Indian woman who was crowned, I think, like Miss America or something, and everyone kind of like lost their shit. They were like, "Oh, she's not American." <laughs> so whatever. It's crazy. So let's talk about a little bit of film news this week. Um, so John Boyega is teaming up with Netflix on an exciting uh, slate of African movies. So he has his upper room banner and he's developing non-English language films focusing on West and East Africa. I think this is really exciting and I really think John Boyega is one of those actors that is going to be very, what's the word, just, he's like an influencer for these kind of changes and he's standing by it and I think it's really, really great of him, really. Yeah, I think I agree. He just, he's doing his bit, you know. He is. And he's just such a lovely down-to-earth boy as well. I just Every interview's in, you can just talk to him like he's just, you know, a guy, you know. Yeah. Or things like that. Love him. Um, Mulan is obviously coming out very soon. Um, there's been some... So basically, the costume designer mm-hmm. was interviewed on the red carpet. And she is a... She's a white woman. And she basically said that she got her inspiration from visiting Chinese museums. And a lot of people have argued, why haven't they hired or taken the opportunity on this Mulan film to hire someone who is Asian and has a personal background and, you know, a passion within that. Um, What what are your thoughts on this? I agree. I agree. I mean, why would you, why would the logical thing not be to give to get a costume designer who is Chinese or maybe even kind of of the Asian subcontinent, if not Chinese, who has that personal history, who doesn't have to say things like, oh, yeah, I went to a museum, went to the Chinese department. Um, <laughs> it, I, sounds, it sounds like a, like a mockumentary, right? doesn't it? But, yeah, I mean, I have a couple of, I mean, I guess my biggest issue with this film is obviously the whole Li Shang being omitted from it, but I've heard good things outside of that you have? Yeah, people on Twitter are talking about how they're surprised that they enjoyed it so much and that um, I feel like people have said that they didn't miss the music. Apparently there's like not as many songs or something. Is there no music in it? I'm sure there's, there's probably some songs, but I mean, people have been saying that they weren't too cut up about too cut up about it. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm definitely going to see it. But I okay. don't know. I'm interested in seeing it. I think that it's, um, yeah, it's it's obviously had some very questionable things happen before the film has been out, um, but we'd have to see what, what happens yeah. and see how it turns out, I suppose. Um, a film we won't be seeing uh, next month, though, is uh, Bond 25. Mm. <sighs> So, obviously, No Time to Die, well, obviously, there is time to die, we've got about six months now, um, has been pushed back from April 3rd to November 12th um, due to the coronavirus. Um, Something interesting that's come out recently um, relating to this was, obviously, Danny Boyle was originally meant to direct this film. Yeah. And then he departed, and obviously, everyone was like, okay, I wonder what happened. Um, It's been revealed kind of through a... um, 
crew member from the film that he had crazy madcap ideas. Wait, who had crazy madcap ideas? Danny Boyle. Oh, interesting. And they decided that the director who didn't have crazy madcap ideas was Kari Fukunaga, who gets like thrown off other projects for having crazy madcap ideas. Yeah. Weird. Wonder. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting... I mean, this is happening quite a lot, I'd say, in the past five years or so. A lot of directors are leaving projects because they don't have the creative freedom or they're not simply agreeing with the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems to be happening to like quite a lot of people that we know very well. Um, Lizzie. Yes, yeah, so that's, that's, that's an interesting one. Yeah, Lizzie. Lizzie. But yeah, basically, Danny's ideas did, did, didn't tie up with what the studio wanted and the producers in particular. And I suppose when you're kind of... Fin- I mean, this is Daniel Craig's apparently his last film, but he says that every time, yeah. doesn't he? Is this his fifth film? Um, not fourth? Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, Spectre. Oh, always forget about Spectre. Spectre. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've got a little bit of an explanation then, I suppose, on why he, is, why he left the project. But I think Kari Fukunaga, it's, it's really interesting. I'm excited. I'm so excited for I him. Excited. I think this could be like... I mean, if I feel like he's one of those directors where not to sound like one of those film Twitter bitches, but, like, if you watch... Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you watch a lot of content, you'll know who he is because you'll have watched True Detective, you'll have watched Maniac, you'll have um, Sin 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 Nombre, which was his Spanish film. Like, you'll have seen these things, but... Jane Eyre, even. But this could be, like, his big... His big one. Oh, Beasts of No Nation. Why do I always forget about Beasts of No Nation? I could do a whole episode about that film. <laughs> oh, so good. No, I think he's. I hope it opens up the door for him, and I hope that, like, obviously, many other film directors out there, they they get like a three picture deal mm. or things like that with the studio. I hope, and I think because, like you said, he is one of the directors that does think outside the box, does want to explore new revenues. I mean, if you watch things like, obviously, True Detective did manage to appeal to the massive. It was a very popular series, particularly the first season. Mm. Um, whereas Maniac, I think it was a little bit more uh, like wacky and zany, and I think people probably watched it and enjoyed it. Not on the same level as True Detective. Yeah, would you say? I agree with you. I thought it was. Di- I'm not sure that they can be compared because they're they're so different. No, they're very different. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think, but we should celebrate that. We should we should celebrate a director being able to do something like yeah. True Detective, and then do something like Maniac, and then do something like Beast in a Nation, and then do something like um, No Time to Die. And um, we should celebrate that, that mm. kind of diversity rather than just having directors that just do the same thing over and over and over. Yeah. and over and over again. You know. I feel that. Hmm. Well, that's it for the end of the show. We've got to do our gratitude. So what are three things that you're grateful for? Um, I don't know how to spin I'm grateful for it, but I'm grateful for I for passing my probation. Is that a thing? I thought you were going to say you were grateful for the coronavirus. Oh. I was like, why? Oh, my God, no. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how to spin that. Um. Because that's not really gratefulness. That's, well, that's just kind crazy. of me bragging about. No, you should be gra- it's gratitude because that's your hard work. That is your hard work. I passed probation. I'm so excited about it. Congratulations. Um, six months. In. I know. Do you feel like you've worked there for six months? Do you feel like you've had a six month experience? Well, so when um, Matthew, my manager, who is a big fan of ours, by the way, I should say. 
Um, hey, Matthew. Hey, Matthew. When he told me, and when he told, well, when he told everyone, he was like, oh, by the way, really good news, you know, now has passed. Most people were like, oh, she's only she's only been here six months, which is quite nice that they, they think I've been there for like, yeah, the, yeah, the I, longest, longest time. Um, yeah. But yeah, no. So yeah, definitely grateful for that. What else am I grateful for? My washing machine. Because <laughs> you know, you know the story. You know the story about these stupid bougie bed sheets that I've bought. Yes. Okay. So first, first world problems coming to you live. Oh and my god! Nobody told me that like these cotton bougie bed sheets shed, and I've like so grateful for my washing machine for not firstly existing, secondly not breaking down with the volume of like washes I've done. But now we're finally good on it. Um, and I'm also grateful for. I got to I got to hang out with some of my best friends on International Women's Day, um, and we were it was just fun. We ate um, Indian food and put together another one of our friends' wedding albums, and it was just you know wholesome. So I'd say that. What about you? That sounds really really nice. Yeah, that sounds lovely. I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for my Ryan Pictures team. Particularly because we had a meeting yesterday about this event coming up and it's just great to kind of be in the same room as people and be able to kind of voice your vision and they all get it. And to be, it's it's just straight, like as a creative, like I've had this many times throughout making films and things like, like even saying things like, this is how I want the music to be and then somehow the composer gets it or this is how I want the performance to be and somehow the actor gets it. And I just love that kind of, merging like that's to me that's the greatest partnerships like you know mm. relationships are nice and all but creative partnerships that's the shit right there like you know scott might love me but bloody hell sophie now her and ashton they know me <laughs> like creatively yeah we get you <laughs> you get me <laughs> um <laughs> i'm grateful for books i just finished a fantastic book um the testaments which is the follow-up to the handmaid's tale strongly recommend did, did have to put it down a few times because it did get a little bit like intense ah, okay. which I haven't done for a while it reminds me of like friends when Joey puts the book in the freezer <laughs> I can relate to that or like you when you put your phone like in your wardrobe or something yeah. um, so I am grateful for that and I'm grateful for my friends I managed to hang out with some friends at the weekend as well and we took Cara along and it was just really great to just sit and chill and laugh and yeah it's it's great and also I just like being like you said it's just International Women's Day just reminded me of how great female friendships are because mm. I think they get they get a bad rep at times and we've all had toxic friendships and we've all had difficult situations with women whether it's in the workplace or whether it's in school or things like that I mean we kind of all leave school and then think oh that's fine I don't have to deal with bullying again but unfortunately in life you do come across bullies mm. of all ages um, which is unfortunate but yes I'm grateful for female friendship International Women's Day is a nice little reminder of that I think yeah. it's just nice to see some camaraderie online as well like it was great to see it on Instagram and Twitter and people sharing things and yeah I think it was I think it was great I really liked it it was nice to have that day for us and just you know celebrate each other yeah we should do it more often than one day a year oh really for sure good. yeah hugely do you want to share any progress on your ghosting story oh my ghosting story uh yeah he ghosted me and never spoke to me again so I you know that's that i i'm not mad about it at the time i was like well that's really rude but you know what i put myself out there i said what i felt and that's all i could have done like i was the mature person in this situation 
you are the mature person. So I'll be the immature person. His number is 078. <laughs> 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 um, oh. So we should talk about this a little bit because Lauren, who is one of our writers, she said she um, experienced this recently. Yeah. I had a friend who actually went to a date, like went to the restaurant and was stood up. Oh, that's happened to me twice. Ghosting. That's so, oh mm-hmm. God, that's awful. Mm-hmm. How can you be that awful to let it get to that stage where you don't turn up? Like you just yeah. drop a text. Yeah. You know, um, so yeah, I think it's, I mean, I don't know of many women that do this. Is it just men? Like, men, if you're listening, have you been ghosted? Like, I want to hear this story. Like, I just think it's a very terrible thing for a person to do. Oh, yeah. For sure. I mean, just say it. Because, yeah, a text message saying, look, I'm not interested anymore, that would hurt your feelings, but you'd be able to get over it. But just not knowing. Yeah. I think that's awful. So annoying. As I said, his number is... Okay, thank you for joining us this week. We will be back next week. Yay. They are. I would never go to Thanks. But I am going to hang up on you right now. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> see, see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode. You can help support the show by subscribing to us on whichever podcast platform you're using. That's Kara in the background with her spooky toy. You can also give the show a like or even leave a review. We're on Twitter at NotHavingItPod and at Rian Pictures. See you next week. <laughs>